Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Hey everyone, it's Shady here from Sex Magic Podcast, and I am super excited for today's episode on Venus, where we'll be learning all about the goddess of love. So I'm joined today by professional astrologer Valerie Mesa. Um, She also happens to be the resident astrologer for Love by Luna, and I've worked with Valerie for the past two years, and I was like, we need to get you on the podcast. You have so much wisdom to share, and I'm just thrilled for you to talk to us today. So how are you doing? (laughs) I'm so good. I'm even more excited to be talking to you and to be here now. This is so exciting. This is long overdue. I'm so excited to be here. I know. I think we tried to have you on, was it season one or two? Some of the seasons. I don't know how we're already on season four. <laughs> I, I know that it was like something that we had been planning and I'm just such a fan of everything you guys do and I'm just so excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into Venus because I know that you have a very personal connection to Venus and I feel like I know some about Venus, but, you know, I feel like working with you in this project that, you know, we're coming out with at the beginning of May, I've just learned so much in the process. So, yeah. Believe it or not, I did too. Um, I have, you know, so much to say on Venus just because from a spiritual standpoint, um, she's been very present in my life as a you know, with family that is from the Caribbean, we actually believe in the Yoruba religion as well. And I am a daughter of Ochun, which is Venus in that, you know, in that realm. So it's just been a really big deal for me. But even then going through the project with you and really diving in, because I made sure that I really went deep, I wanted to really go all in and feel her and really invoke her presence just for the project. I feel like I learned so much more. And I feel like a brand new woman. I told you it's like, it's been a journey. And she's just so present. And I, and I really hope that people feel the same way when they, you know, purchase the <laughs> Hello Venus kid. I know. We'll, we'll get to the details about that at the end. But yeah, I feel like right now during quarantine and the pandemic and everything, you know, it's been a balancing act for a lot of people and finding their inner equilibrium and, you know, connecting to their pleasure again and their comforts. And I feel like now is such a good time to talk about Venus because we did an IG live video for the first time, I think last week. And with the transits that were going on, then I remember you saying that this pandemic has really, you know, shaken us out of our comfort zones and has pushed us to find new ways to feel beautiful and sexy and sensual in our sacred spaces and homes and to make the most of what's around us. And I thought that was really beautiful. And I know that invoking Venus can help with all those things so much more. So Are you ready to dive in? Should we just go ahead? I'm so ready. I'm so, so ready. I feel like, especially with everything happening right now, um, Taurus season, like we said, you know, it isn't your typical Taurus season. We have Uranus sitting so closely uh, to the sun right now in Taurus. Overall, this has just been a revolution in terms of our value systems. You know, what normal means to us is not the same thing that normal meant to us a year ago you know, a couple months ago before everything happened. And Taurus season is a season to lounge and to do nothing and to find the beauty in doing absolutely nothing. And 
that is where Venus comes in because Venus is pleasure and Venus is joy and which we'll get into, but absolutely. Um, it's definitely been a whirlwind, but I think that it's really shaken us up in a good way because I feel like we're as humans, we're not going to take things for granted the way we typically would, you know, normally like, Oh, it's just a regular day. It's a regular sunny day. I don't have to go out cause I can go out tomorrow, but now it's like, we're all dying to go out, get out of our right. houses. Yeah, just get yeah. some human interaction too. You know, For real. Like, oh, I'm missing my friends in person and maybe I miss going to the club. I, I actually don't think I miss going to the club. <laughs> for water signs, for water signs to say that, exactly. I don't miss going to the club either. Like I, my, like I'm Cancer Scorpio rising, my Pluto's in the 12th. Like I thrive in solitude, but ultimately like even for me, I, I'm just like, whoa, like if it's, affecting me you know we're in trouble <laughs> right because even me I'm like dying to get out I'm like what's happening like okay I'm over it you know right so, yeah I'm like it might be good for me to leave my place a little bit get some fresh <laughs> air you know definitely. it's needed it's definitely needed yeah so who is Venus so who is she you know she's a planet in astrology she's a goddess in Roman mythology She's obviously a girl who can do both, right? And I feel like her origins are just so interesting. So what can you tell people about, you know, Venus's roots and how she came to be? So, you know, this is very, this is universal, ultimately, like her myth, where she comes from, her origin, she's she's majestic and she, you know, believing in her, there's so many people in the world who believe in her, even if they don't refer to her as Aphrodite or the goddess Venus. But overall, you know, the Romans believe that she was born in the island of Cyprus um, in Paphos. And basically when Uranus was castrated by Kronos, which was his son, which is technically Saturn, mm -hmm. and threw his testicles into the sea, which is as bizarre as it sounds, Venus rose from that foam and okay. you know when she touched the earth the earth was barren when she touched the earth all the fertility just you know came with it. as she walked through through the island it just started to you know surround with flowers and 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 abundance which mm -hmm. is what you know what it is that she brings so I think that that's really you know you don't want to look at it so literal in terms of the whole you know the testicles and the sea and the foam, but it is pretty <laughs> ironic and interesting when you look at where Venus comes from. You know, she in mythology was the most irresistible among the rest of the deities. I mean, there are very few goddesses that actually don't really fall for her charm because at the end of the day, we look at Venus in a positive light. And again, you can look mm -hmm. at everything however you want to look at it. There's good and bad to everything. And we look at her in a positive light, but Venus can be very vain and can be very superficial. So it's really ironic sometimes when you do see, you know, everything, the way that she was born, rising from, from the foam, which is like from the testicle. So it's kind, of, it's kind of funny when you look at it that way. But overall, she is the goddess of love and beauty. But beyond the superficial love and beauty, she's fertility. And mm -hmm. I think that fertility is something that whether you're looking at it from a creative standpoint, or you're looking at you know, just partnerships in general, what both of you can bring to the table, what you yourself, you know, what abundance means to you, how you can create and how you can manifest things in the physical realm while feeling joy in an emotional way has everything to do with Venus. That is completely Venusian, right? So like I said, it's universal, um, but that is mainly what, you know, the Romans believed in mythology. My mom is actually 
super big on mythology. She would give you like the best explanation ever. She knows like every single one of the gods and goddesses. Oh my God. I um, need some bedtime stories from her or something, but yeah, that's so bedtime stories. Funny <laughs> enough, you say that she's, I already same. love your mom. I like met her very briefly over like <laughs> FaceTime, I think. And I was just like, I love you. <laughs> I she loves you too family. already. <laughs> oh no, I know. I was so excited that day that you met. I mean, she's a Leo moon and Pisces. So like when you said bedtime stories, I'm like, she's your girl. She's, Perfect. she's a teacher. She loves what she does, but yeah. So but man, that, that testicle film though, you know, that's some powerful stuff. <laughs> right. Isn't that funny? I always laugh at that just because, you know, you think of, you think of Kronos, right? Which is Saturn. And you think of Saturn being this super strict, you know, grumpy old man, righteous, but he was the one that castrated Uranus. So there's always a little bit of edge. The gods have a little bit of edge in them, right? So, and then when you look at astrology, you could incorporate, you know, the mythology, which I do a lot of the times, you know, you think of Mars and Mars, you know, his aggression, the Romans, you know, that was their God of everything that's, that was martial related to the military, related to wars. When, when they would win wars, they would dedicate the whole war and the victory to Mars. So right. there is a lot of um, correlation between the gods and how they come to life in astrology. But I always do laugh at the whole testicle story. It's, it's great. Well, I mean, it does <laughs> symbolize fertility though, you know, like the frothy testicle sea foam mixing with right? the goddess of love and fertility and her coming onto land and you know bestowing all of that so you know that's very powerful imagery and I think that that differentiation between you know Aphrodite and Venus although they are the same I was doing like a little bit of research and you know they were saying Aphrodite in Greek mythology is usually only regarded as the goddess of love and beauty and sexuality whereas like Venus you know it has that um she has that fertility, you know, element to her. So I just thought that was interesting. A hundred percent. I do really love that. And I think that that's something that we should all embrace because at the end of the day, whether you're looking at the blessings you have around you in a material way and, oh my God, I bought that purse that I really love, or I had that delicious, you know, homemade pasta dish that I can't live without. That is an example of you experiencing that joy and you opening your heart to that abundance and to that experience. So it really goes a lot deeper than the superficiality of it. Cause I think that a lot of people, and that's one of the things that I know we'll get into afterwards, but that's one of the things that I feel like we wanted to bring to this project. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, you know, not feeling ashamed or like we're being too, you know, vain. I feel like we kind of have been programmed to be like, Oh no, I don't want to show this off too much, but it's like, you know, why not? Why not feel good about yourself and embrace it and bask in all of the abundance and opulence? It's not a bad thing. So, you know, I always think of, um, you know, fellow children of Venus, right? I mean, whether you think of Gal Gadot, Taurus or Lizzo, for instance, Mm -hmm. they are the epitome of goddesses and they really do have a way of empowering other women to feel comfortable in their skin. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so important because especially with everything that's happening right now. And I think ironically enough with the current events, not so much about like, you know, looks and things like that, but I think that it is making people reevaluate what their definition of a good time is or what they feel grateful for or not being so 
reluctant to having that second piece of cake, you know, in Taurus season. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to eat that. You know, I'm counting the calories. Sometimes you deserve it. Sometimes it's okay to just say, you know, I love myself. Let me treat myself, right? Right. To sink into, you know, just the present moment and appreciate what you have. You know, I've seen a lot of really great things on Instagram where people are like, you know, you don't have to be productive during quarantine. You don't have to finally start that podcast or, you know, whatever your next business venture is, because I feel like a lot of people have been, you know, learning a lot of new things, launching new things, which is great. But I feel like a lot of people have also felt the pressure of like, oh, I need to do something with my time. And it's like, no, you can just, you know, just think into the present moment and yeah, just enjoy yourself. So we're all connected. We're all made of star stuff. You know, we're all star seeds. And if mother earth asked us to pause and to be gentle with ourselves, I think that's exactly what we should be doing. So like, you know, whenever you feel guilty, whoever is listening, you know, just stop and really look around and it's okay. This is the first time ever that people are allowed to do nothing and that be okay. Like that's a big deal. Yeah. And that actually be like the good thing to do. It's like, oh, you can save the world by just staying inside and doing nothing, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That's like a cancer's dream come true. A Pisces (laughs) dream too. Right. Right. So it's definitely been, um, it's been an experience to say the least, but I think that we're looking at what we're, our, our definition of gratitude, our idea of gratitude is shifting. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's in the midst of a revolution, thanks to, you know, Uranus and Taurus season. This is a very special Taurus season. Mm-hmm. And so I guess just getting into the astrological aspects of Venus a little bit more. So, you know, what does the planet govern and what's the significance of, you know, Venus in your natal chart? What does your Venus sign mean? So... You know, the same way I mentioned to you that I feel that it's all connected, you know, the mythology, like finding that that connection, that correlation between Aphrodite being able to bring that sense of fertility and that sense of abundance to everything she touches. I too, as an astrologer, I bring that with me. And I think every astrologer is different, but I do feel that I'm more of an evolutionary astrologer in the sense, not so much that I'm a Vedic astrologer, but in the sense that I feel that we are evolving and so is astrology. And I think yes. that the definition of Venus hopefully should evolve, you know, with, with due time, like we were just saying, um, not being so superficial and really looking at what it is that she brings to the table. And I feel that a person's Venus in their birth chart can really tell you where their talent lies, where their money-making abilities are what Mm -hmm. their definition of abundance means to them, what their charm is, what their grace is, you know, how it is that they, where that little, that little twinkle in their eye, where does it come from? Right. And we talk about that little twinkle. It doesn't always have to be like, you know, she's got a banging body or she's got a gorgeous face. Obviously those are beautiful things and beautiful qualities to have, which are extremely Venusian. Right. Mm -hmm. But going a little bit towards, you know, the, 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 to the deep side, I think it's really about that innate talent that you bring to the table, that special something, um, that thing that you have that nobody else has because there's no such thing as another you, right? And you want to also look at the aspects that your natal Venus is making with other planets, right? Because everyone is different. Or if one of the four quadrants, your ascendant, descendant, IC, or midheaven, have any Venusian influences too, because those are really prominent areas of the chart. So I really, it really all boils down to that, but it is that special something. It mm-hmm. is the definition of abundance to that person. 
And it's also, for instance, for, um, for women and men, it's the type of, of energies that they're attracted to. It's the energies where they feel most alive and they thrive. So Venus and Gemini, uh, you know, me being a Venus and Gemini, I absolutely thrive in situations like this where I could express myself through communication or I could, mm-hmm. you know, have a fun witty banter via text message, right? Because that's a Venus and Gemini thing. Everybody is different, right? But that's just a silly example. (laughs) Right. I love that, you know, you focus on that little extra special sparkle because I feel like, you know, people really fixate on the whole like love and what are you attracted to? And that's all super important. But in terms of, you know, like understanding those unique gifts that we can use and, you know, when we use them, we feel really good. We're happy. We get pleasure. I feel like that's really important. Um, But yeah, so Venus tells us, you know, how we attract others, what we find attractive in others, how we like to spend our leisure time and where we find comfort. So I feel like Venus is basically, you know, all the good bits of life rolled up into one planet. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And you think of, you know, traditional astrology when they say things like, well, Venus is in detriment in Scorpio Mm -hmm. or Venus is you know, she, she falls in such and such sign. And I'm not going to say that I've completely ignored that because I'm nobody and I'm open to obviously what I've learned, what I've been taught and and what everybody, you know, is, is taught to, to believe in astrology. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't see it that way. A Venus, Venus in Scorpio, ironically enough, people who were born with a Venus in Scorpio, I always find their beauty so fascinating because their beauty is very scorpionic, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that's very under the surface, uh, mysterious, enigmatic. Granted, this has a lot to do with my own preferences, being a Plutonian kind of person, just like somebody who, for instance, has a lot of Aquarius in them will value Mm -hmm. Venus and Aquarius traits. But Venus doesn't have to fall anywhere. She doesn't have to be in detriment anywhere. The loyalty of a Venus in Scorpio is something that I have never, ever been able to see in another sign. The way that a Venus in Scorpio keeps a secret, the way that they're able to see the dynamics of a relationship, an incredible psychologist or somebody who works in relationship therapy, a Venus in Scorpio. Those are the Mm -hmm. people that sometimes because they're, you know, Venus is in detriment, you you look at the, the superficial qualities when reality, their abundance is right in front of us. You know, their magic, what it is that they bring to the table. Right. I feel like a lot of those terms and the dignities are, I feel like the verbiage is just a bit archaic, whether or not they meant for it to come off that strongly. But yeah, you know, if you do see that, oh, I have that in detriment or fall, it's not, it's not a negative thing. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, not as lucky or you're at, you know, some disadvantage. So definitely don't see it in that way. And amen. I feel like, you know, we probably don't have time to get into every individual Venus sign, but we did want to go over Venus in the different elements to at least give you a general sense of the qualities and expressions of affection that these groups are most receptive to. Because, you know, what's most important and comfortable in a relationship to a Venus fire sign person probably isn't going to be the case for a Venus earth sign person. So Mm -hmm. I guess what are just the general differences we want to start off with um fire what do they like so if we're going to look at the elements we could really just look at the energy of the element itself now when you look Mm -hmm. at fire you're talking about aries leo and sagittarius fire in astrology is a symbol of fertility and not the same fertility as, as venus but it could be right and it's also physical it's physical stamina it's enthusiasm it's passion in the physical 
world, right? So a Venus in fire really thrives when they can experience things and they could really in, indulge in those experiences and, and in their passions because that, and, and, and in ways where they could also bring it to life, fire is very theatrical. So in ways where they can bring it to life, where they can find joy, just being unapologetically themselves, but in a way where they can do it in the physical world, whether it's dancing, painting, and I'm thinking a lot of art here, just because fire is so creative, but that's not to say that water, earth, or air isn't creative, but I think you know where I'm going with that. Right. Yeah. Just like, I feel like they operate usually very spontaneously, you know, just like flashes of inspiration. So yeah, they definitely need to breathe new life into their relationships frequently. They don't like it when things, you know, start to get boring or stale. And this might be exhausting for, you know, lovers who prefer a smoother ride. And I feel like this is very true because I have Venus and Aries, so I love the thrill of the hunt. I love the chase. I love the emotional roller coaster. So I could be pining over someone for the longest time. I mean, I have Sun and Pisces, so this could literally be forever. <laughs> and as oh my as, God, I yeah. I'm sorry, I no, you're drunk. Go ahead. I'm just saying. As soon as I have them, I'm just like, oh, can you can you go now? <laughs> oh my God, like, that is. it's very frustrating but you know I I feel like I like a little healthy tension so you made me think of Lady Gaga um with her Venus and Aries funny enough she has Mercury and Pisces in the song you and I um she's like it's about the chase and she's like six whole years like she says that in the song and it's like that's so Venus and Aries like you guys will hunt till you die <laughs> well we like I we like that. a challenge you know that I feel like that's very mentally stimulating and is fun mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love that love that shout out to the Venus and fire signs wear bright colors that's where you thrive obviously surround yourself and, and, and being around the fire too. I mean, I'm not gonna say you guys are pyromaniacs, but that's definitely something that you guys feel alive and sexy. Um, mm-hmm. The louder, the better too, the more action. So for earth, Venus and earth, you know, wah, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's such a different, <laughs> such a different vibe. It is a different vibe. <laughs> no offense, like to the, but we know we're, we're, we we're speaking casually here for real. I mean, I'm actually, I've been with a Venus and earth for five years and, and change. So nothing against you guys. Right. But Venus and earth really thrives when they have that consistency, the loyalty, um, that comfort, but that logical comfort, you know, very tedious, very uh, by the book. I, I want to use that as well, just because they're more conservative even. Granted, this is a more general uh, idea because remember that your Venus could be making an aspect with another planet, etc. But Earth is traditional. You know, it wants what it's used to. That's what it's comfortable with. And it needs to make sense. One thing needs to be able to lead to another and there needs to be you know, a cohesive uh, energy flowing here. And I think that things that, that have to do with growth, things that have to do with uh, materializing success, abundance, being with partners where they can grow together, being with partners where they can build a business um, or, you know, just do things that they feel useful. Right. I feel like, you know, if they don't see the potential for something working out on a practical level, it's very hard for them, you know, to get 
emotionally committed because, you know, that's very important to them. So I feel like they definitely appreciate, you know, solid, long-standing, reliable relationships. You know, they tend to be more cautious in the beginning, but once they're committed, they're really committed for the long haul, which is what makes them, you know, such devoted and dedicated partners because they work really hard at making their relationships work on a physical and practical level. Um, and they like, you know, having that physical proof of commitment too. Yes, that's very well said, Katie, hundred percent. They are extremely devoted. And it's funny because if they don't feel that it's, it's, I always say, for instance, with Venus and Capricorn, their relationships are an investment. Everything is an investment. They're not mm -hmm. willing to invest, you know, their time. And that's a very Capricorn thing. Um, as opposed to, you know, Taurus who may just say, hmm, I do want to indulge in that, right? It's all different. But, and then mm -hmm. you have Venus and Virgo, which is all about the details, like the smallest little, you know, most generous way of showing love. That is how Venus and Virgo really thrive. So again, it's, it's, it's different for each sign, but yes, absolutely. Yes. And then moving on to air. So for those who have their Venus in an air sign, you know, communication is definitely going to be key. Um, they respond most, well, I guess, to verbal expressions of interest and affection. So, you know, they definitely want to share their thoughts and ideas. And, you know, if you're not willing to have those open channels of communication, it's going to work out. <laughs> Oh, no, that is 100% true. As a Venus and Gemini, communication is definitely part of my love language. Sometimes I talk too much, um, but it's just how you, I'm loquacious is the word, right, for, for, for Venus and air. But I think that it's all about mental, being mentally stimulated for Venus and air, you know, surrounding themselves with like-minded groups of individuals that, you know, can really inspire them mentally, where they can, you know, find the space to express their thoughts and, and brainstorm Venus and Gemini loves brainstorming, but so does uh, Venus and in, in Aquarius. Now, I think Venus and Libra, for instance, I'm sorry that we're, you know, getting into each of them. They're all different, but ultimately it's about the connection, but the connection in a mental and intellectual way. Um, that's mm -hmm. not to say that Venus and Libra isn't romantic, but you know what I mean? Right. They're definitely romantic. <laughs> yeah, totally. And let's see with the water element so yeah what do venus and water signs like so everything that has to do with you know having that emotional bond being able to swim through the depths of their partner being able to see and wear those you know those goggles where they could always see the emotions that the person of the person they're with being able to have that open floor to express themselves emotionally and even spiritually. It's a very intuitive type of love. And mm -hmm. Venus in water sometimes is accused of, you know, not loving hard enough or not being expressive when it comes to love. But in reality, they yeah. love so, so deeply, but mm -hmm. it's just not something that they show in a physical way or, you know, verbal. It's, it's a more universal realm it's 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 an invisible love and i don't even know if invisible is the right word i want to say it's like a subliminal right it's like it's like a presence you know it's something that you just intuit and feel and that's why i feel like they really appreciate having people around that can 
pick up on that and get that and not, you know, have to have them explain every single little detail. It's like, they just get and it. loyalty too. loyalty. I mean, I have a Venus and Scorpio godmother who I love to death and she's not necessarily expressive, but when she writes you a letter for your birthday, like you can't read it without like just oh choking up because it's just, they love so, so deeply. And you're like, Oh my God. Like they just love so deeply. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love it too. So I guess what's happening with the planet Venus now? So one thing I wanted to just touch on is, you know, just like the sun changes signs as we move through the different zodiac seasons, Venus changes signs as well. I think it's like about every 30 days. So when Mm -hmm. people are saying Venus is in Gemini right now, that's different than having your natal Venus in Gemini. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So we do have Venus traveling through Gemini right now, and she's actually already in her pre-retrograde shadow phase. So for those of you who don't know what pre-retrograde shadow phase is, basically when a planet retrogrades, it slows down and it obviously goes back, right? And it doesn't necessarily go back for real, but from our view here on Earth, it looks as if the planet is moving backwards. But what it does is that it slows down and it ultimately goes back to the same degrees where it started. Now, being in retrograde, pre-retrograde shadow means that it's already hovering over the degree where it will soon retrograde. Um, did I say that? Sometimes I'm like, did I say that? <laughs> so basically right now, Venus is in her pre-retrograde shadow phase in Gemini. So things, conversations, you know, um, especially communication, because you would think that Mercury retrograde has everything to do with communication. Mercury rules Gemini. So this Venus retrograde is going to be a little bit similar to a Mercury retrograde, given that it's in Gemini, and Gemini has everything to do with communication. Okay. I bet a lot of people are like, oh, great. That's wonderful. <laughs> but, it's, but, it's, but it's actually, so retrogrades are a time to revisit, reassess, and reflect mm-hmm. on the situation at hand. Now, look at the planet Venus. She has everything to do with relationships, values, you know, your spending habits, your finances, your self-worth. Gemini has everything to do with variety, brainstorming. I forgot to mention how much Venus and Gemini loves variety. Variety, brainstorming, you know, communication, your local network, right? So this Venus retrograde is going to have a lot to do with revisiting conversations that weren't, you know, able to take place, which this could be good for closure, right? Like, you know, in, in the romantic realm. Um, it, it's great for renegotiating things that have to do with money. Let's say Venus right now is transiting and she's pre-retrograde shadow in an area that has to do with your career. You could be having talks with an authority figure about a promotion via Zoom, right? But still <laughs> yeah. about a promotion or about you know something that has to do with you, your self-worth, your value, you know, combining Venus and Gemini, right? Mm -hmm. So Venus will retrograde in May, on May 13th. So keep in mind that whatever is happening now could come back to the, to the, to the surface, come back to, to your attention while she's retrograde. Now I highly Mm -hmm. suggest nobody, you know, does any wild makeovers while Venus is retrograde because Venus is the planet of love and beauty. So while she's retrograde, it's really important, and I'll confirm right now, because I know that she retrogrades May 13th, and then Venus goes direct on, I think, July? Hold on. Yes. I think so, too. 
Okay. I was close. So from May 13th through June 25th, don't do any crazy makeovers or decide to jump into a relationship that feels great, but you're still, you know, not a hundred percent about because these, again, you don't want it to be a Fugazi at the end of the day, because if the planet of love isn't working at her full potential, then neither is, I'm not going to say our life, but things related to Venus. So relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's not a bad time, however, to go back and revisit things that you once started. You know, if there was a relationship or a negotiation you were doing for work and it comes up again during Venus retrograde, which is very possible, you can go ahead and, you know, do your due diligence. But if it's something that is brand new, stay away. (laughs) I feel like that's a good word of caution because I feel like, you know, depending on where you are and what the quarantine situation is, I feel like a lot of, you know, states are starting to open things up again and people are just kind of like chomping at the bit, you know, to jump into something, you know, to go and do all of the things since they haven't been able to. That's so I feel like that's very point. interesting. Yeah. That's such a good point. And it's funny that you say that, which is that's the best point you've made aside from everything else you were saying. <laughs> um, Venus retrograde, I feel is going to be a time where everybody in their local community comes back and is like, hey, I missed you, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's that time, right? Which we don't know if everything's going to start to go back to normal. You know, we don't know that yet, but that very well happen. But that's an excellent point. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we'll probably start happening gradually but I feel like like you said you know Gemini really loves variety so I feel like everyone's going to be wanting to get a little piece of this and that and yeah just jump back into the action but that's a good word of caution I guess (laughs) absolutely and if you're extra indecisive right now just blame Venus and Gemini you know Venus and Gemini I'm the type of person that will order two drinks and two appetite because I literally have no idea sometimes what it is that I want to eat or what it is that I feel like having. I feel like Venus and Air is indecisive for sure. But yeah, I'm just like, can I, I just have can I just have one of everything? I just want a little sampler thing. <laughs> just one bite even. Yes. yes. That is literally my life. That is my life. That's so funny. So yeah, anything so, else that people should know about the Venus retrograde or is that, is that pretty much it? Mm, you know, I think it's a good idea if you are familiar with your birth chart and what houses mean what, even though if you head over to, you know, Love by Luna's moon musings and, you know, the different things that we've worked on together, there's a ton mm-hmm. of information there, but find out where Gemini is located on your birth chart so you could see more or less what to expect for this retrograde. Because... Mm-hmm depending on which house, right? Let's say it's happening in your fourth house of home. Probably, you know, this is going to be an opportunity for you to rekindle relationships with family members, or let's say renegotiating how much you pay a month for your living space, right? Mm -hmm. That's just an example. Um, Astrology is infinite, and this all depends on how it works out in your chart, but you'd be surprised how accurate it is when you look at the houses. Your rising sign sometimes even looking at things in terms of your rising sign in that mm-hmm. order is usually the way to go. And I'm not going to say that it doesn't make sense looking at your sun sign because it does, mm-hmm. but your rising sign, it, that, that that's your chart ruler. That's the theme of your life. It goes in that order. So Right. And for like figuring out the houses, is there like a general way to say how to do that very quickly if people aren't sure? Like what do they need to know in order to figure out like what house um, Venus is going through? 
Okay, so one way to look at it is that the order of the houses is the same order as the zodiac. So Mm -hmm. first house is Aries, second house is Taurus, third is Gemini, right? Mm -hmm. Your rising sign, except if you're a rising Aries, which means everything is in order for you, so you really don't have to do a lot of work. Your rising sign, it, it starts from that sign. So if you're a rising Scorpio, your first house is Scorpio, your second house is Sagittarius. Your Capricorn, first house is Capricorn, second house is Aquarius. But the essence of each house, look at the number and think, okay, if you're looking at the third house, think of the third sign in the zodiac. If you're looking mm-hmm. at the fifth, think of the fifth sign in the zodiac. That's like the easiest. Yeah. Right. No, I feel like that was a good description because I feel like for the longest time I was like, wait, the planets and the houses, and maybe we should do like a whole other blog post on it. But yeah, that's just a very general way that you can do yeah. it. Yeah. And so I guess what are some ways that, you know, people can just generally invoke and honor Venus during this time? You know, I think something that I always, and I say this a lot, and I know it's probably like a broken record already, but like, I'm always saying like, you know, be gentle with yourself. And when I say that, I'm not just like preaching. I'm also like taking that advice for myself. Be gentle with yourself listen to your body. Like that is no joke. Mm -hmm. Like your mind and body is going to tell you when you are actually passionate about something, when you feel like doing something. And again, we all have to do our due diligence. There's so many things in the world that we don't want to have to do. And you're going to Mm -hmm. obviously know what, what those things are, but even relationships, that is intuition. That is being present and Mm -hmm. being present, honoring your physical body, your sensuality, whether it be in in terms of pleasure, be in terms of spirit. These are all very Venusian things. And I feel like in in astrology, like you mentioned, very archaic, sometimes it doesn't really mention those tidbits, but Mm -hmm. the, the, the act of being present, listening to your body, that is magic. That is intuition. That is being a witch, whether you're a man or a woman, right? And I think that that's also honoring the Venus within you, your joy, your happiness. It's okay to be selfish once in a while. And it's especially okay to be selfish during tourist season. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that you actually need to be a little bit selfish, you know, like you can't just be putting people, you know, in front of yourself all the time, because then you're just going to end up drained and burned out. So yeah, easier said than done for sure. In the terms of being gentle to yourself, I feel like I'm just in an ongoing journey with that. But yeah, just giving yourself the time and space to recharge and heal because in the end, you know, that's really going to help you in the long run. You know, I talked about this a little bit on my episode on entrepreneurial wellness and it's like, you know, breaks are a part of the work. You know, I feel like I've had to schedule them in some more because if you don't take them, you're just going to, you know, run out of energy and that's not good. So I've really had to be a lot more regimented, you know, with that. Can we just do... Can we just do an all hail Katie like podcast? Because I not just I I don't say this because I'm speaking to you, but you are someone who I admire so much just for the amount of things that you do at once. Yeah, that Mars and Gemini or Venus Mars conjunction, but that is something that my Venus very much admires and very much finds joy in. And I think is so fascinating about you is just how multifaceted you are. So Cheers to you and your entrepreneurial oh venture because <laughs> I wish so I, sometimes I need like I take a break and I'm like what would like or but what would what would Katie do like what would Shady do WWSJ like I, I'm not even trying to be like against anyone's religion but like what would Katie do <laughs> oh my gosh I'm like I don't know if you really want to know <laughs> my I, 
my cap rising my cap rising is you know all, all pristine on the outside but yeah definitely definitely gets crazy in here <laughs> but I feel like yeah during tourist season just you know sinking into the present moment I feel like face masks are really good I feel like you know taking an extra sensual bath or doing a ritual bath so you know epsom salts um you know if you want to meditate with like a crystal beforehand for the heart or sacral chakra you can use rose quartz or garnet or carnelian um you can just hold the stone as you meditate with your intention and then set it aside and then just submerge yourself in the tub and i like to put some extra flourishes in my bath so like rose petals um hibiscus i think it turns the water oh, a little bit pink some essential oils and yeah, that's what I like to do. I love that. I love that. I'm totally going to check out your book to see what crystal works for me. I'll tell you that. And something else, um, naps. I think naps are so needed right now. Even if it's a cat nap, the energy around us, the world is heavy right now. And mm -hmm. that's one of the many reasons why we don't feel like doing as much as we normally would. It's a collective you know, effort, ultimately, you know how they say it takes a village? Well, it's the collective right now that we're all feeling the world on our backs. And it's not easy. And you may not have as much energy as you normally do. And, you know, do, taking those delicious baths, like Katie said, taking little naps, you know, being mindful of how many hours you're sleeping, especially if you have to wake up early the next day, getting enough rest, drinking enough water, really being mindful of your wellness and, and of your day to day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with the naps, I feel like that's important because I've talked to a lot of people and since all of this, you know, quarantine pandemic stuff started, I feel like a lot of people have been difficulty, have had difficulty sleeping, you know, sleeping like straight through the night. So I feel like naps would be a good way to, you know, get rid of some of that excess anxiety and, you know, subconscious worry and stress and everything. And those dreams, those dreams. I mean, how vivid have your dreams been? Because my dreams have been insane and I'm not the only person. That's oh, I usually get, sometimes I just won't have any dreams and then I'll have like a couple of weeks where I have a bunch of crazy ones. And I did remember some like a week ago that were just, I was like, this, this doesn't make any sense or at least not yet. I have to think about them a little bit more. I read an article about it. Like I, you know, I didn't get deep into it, but I saw the title. I was like, oh, it says why you might be having such crazy dreams. I'm like, I'm not the only one. <laughs> click, click, click. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think all those ways are, you know, really great um, ways that we can invoke Venus. So thank you so much, Valerie, for coming on and sharing with us. And oh my God, of course. <laughs> Yeah, and to all of our listeners, if you want to learn more about Venus and get the full Venusian experience, Valerie and I just um, launched our Hello Venus kit over on the Love by Luna website last week, and it's to die for. It's a five-piece kit that comes with a super yummy essential oil, a carnelian and rose quartz-infused nail polish, a wooden hand fan, golden rose compact mirror, heart-shaped rose quartz crystal, plus a 27-page booklet written by Valerie on Venus that's just full of rituals and cosmic insights. So this thing is really, really jam-packed with so much great stuff and is perfect to have on hand in preparation for Venus retrograde on May 13th. So you can get 10% off the kit if you use the code SEXMAGICPODCAST, all uppercase, no spaces, on the website, which is www.lovebyluna.co. So thank you all for tuning in and listening today. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you on next week's episode. Thank you. Bye. 
Hey there, Tosca here. So I wanted to take a quick moment to share with you all about how you can support the Sex Magic Podcast. If you haven't already, you should follow us on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. Pretty much everything is under Sex Magic Podcast. You can also find us at sexmagicpodcast.com and we have all of our links there. But most importantly, we recently launched our Patreon and it's really important to support us because our collective of co-hosts offers a diverse perspective on sex and magic. Though we each come from various backgrounds and cultures, our unifying passion is to empower and explore sexuality, spirit, and the occult in a safe and approachable environment. Each week, we offer a new episode on a fresh subject in the realm of spirituality and sexuality. We interview a variety of guests, from authors to psychologists to witches and beyond. We strive to share content that is educational, inspirational, and mystical. So join us on our journey through sex magic by supporting the work we do. Every dollar goes towards propelling us forward and will allow us to continue creating podcasts. By supporting our podcast, you'll join our community and be part of the conversation. Our Patreon patrons will gain access to various resources, rituals, recipes, and behind-the-scenes access. With more funding for our Sex Magic podcast, Coven can dedicate more time to crafting sacred offerings to our supporters, sex magic courses, videos, spell books, and we really would love for you to be part of our sexy little coven.